Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm with Bowden Sandra Falcon from Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Yo, what up? And freelance writer and critic Vrat Nehru. Yay, boys. Now, we've got a quite a big show. A lot of films, not just streaming, but in cinemas right it's now. Kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a bumper back to the cinemas special where we're going to have three films that are in the cinemas now or tomorrow in our extended episode. Yeah, the first one we're covering, which is in cinemas tomorrow, is the new Judd Apatow flick, The King of Staten Island. And later on, we're going to talk about Waves, the new A24 film, The Assistant, which is currently in cinemas now, as well as TFW No GF, which screened this weekend at Static Vision's Hyperlinks, and you can watch on iTunes and on, on the South by Southwest. Uh, Amazon have put all the stuff Amazon on. Prime, yeah. Amazon, Amazon Prime, yeah. Talking of things that are streaming in and around town, the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is in full swing until, well, tonight, last time to catch it. Uh, Moving Bed, which transformed to Moving Car, have extended their run till July 19th at Moore Park. So you can actually go watch a movie and it's in your car and just have a classic rooftop cinema experience. The Sydney South African Film Festival is also extended to the 19th. You can watch SSAFF On Demand. The Taiwan Film Festival has gone online for the first time and that's screening till July 30th. The Revelation Film Festival in Perth has gone online and is streaming nationally until also the 19th. So a few things to catch in the coming days. The Allianz Francais French Film Festival, not screening online, is screening as of yesterday at Palace Cinemas around the country, including in Sydney. Chris and I went to Palace last night to catch the preview of The King of Staten Island. It was my first film at a cinema in four months and four days, which we're going to talk about. And we can attest that they are being safe and they are enforcing social distancing guidelines and keeping it a open environment for people who are concerned. And okay, if you are concerned, you should onwards and other things that are happening about town the Geelong International Film Festival is streaming online for the first time as of Friday night the Melbourne Queer Film Festival is streaming over the weekend online from July 17th to July 19th and finally the Castle Main Documentary Film Festival is screening from July 17th to July 19th so uh, that is what's happening online but the first thing we want to talk about is the Kingdom of Stanley which is screening at Palace Cinemas and Elst we went to the cinemas many cinemas it's basically it's everywhere it's everywhere it's in all cinemas the cinema it's, near you yep yeah, it's good to be back at the cinemas. I mean, I know we were talking last week about how some uh, don't necessarily feel comfortable going. We respect that, but I felt comfortable going. It was nice just to be there and be surrounded by people who were a little bit further away from me and just know that, yeah, things felt clean and good. And I felt very comfortable going. I'm going to go back again. I'm really happy that the first film that we're seeing back from this despair and gloom and doom is a Judd Avatar movie. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed, but like, it's kind of the perfect antidote, you know? It's, Fill out, turn your brain off. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, I think we all have been in a bit of despair given what's been going on. This is exactly the kind of like pitch at the right mood. And you kind of know what you're getting into when you go in there and you just get exactly what is expected. It's like, there are literally no surprises. But for this one, I think that's a good thing. So this one, yeah, it's a new Judd film. It is starring Pete Davidson as Scott in a very autobiographical role. It says Bell Powley, Steve Buscemi, Marissa Tomei, Maud Apatow, and Bill Burr. It is set yes. on Staten Island, as the title suggests. It is about a young man who has greater development, who's been living at home. Um, he's currently 24. And clearly his mother and others want him to move on with his life as his sister, younger sister leaves high school and goes to college. Importantly, his father, 17 years prior, passed away tragically. He was a fireman. And this is both a strong theme throughout the film, dramatically, in terms of the plot, but also 
as with Davidson and Buscemi, given their personal histories, there are strong autobiographical elements to this film, which we'll get into. I like the film on balance. It was a competent Judd Apatow film. I do think it was quite long. It clocks in at two hours, 16 minutes. Typical of Judd Apatow, his films are always, always too long. I have no idea why he Extra continues minutes. despite... And, it's always the main criticism people have when he puts out some epic, like funny people, people like, all right, some cool ideas, but it's just way too long. Even he makes simple comedies like knocked up way too long, just all the time. It's, it's uh, the Harvey Weinstein rule cut 20 minutes. Uh, usually didn't apply to the films Weinstein we'll, said we'll, it we'll, to, but would apply very we'll strongly. 30 minutes to, from this. To, we'll to, yeah, about, you could cut we'll, 30 minutes easily. We'll talk about Harvey Weinstein. But Doug definitely the assistant. Yeah. We, but, we will. Yeah. That's later yeah, in the program. Doing a preview in the program. Yeah. yeah. So the autobiographical elements, there are a lot of people in this film who were strongly affected by the deaths of firemen in their life. And also Steve Buscemi, as is I think not very commonly known, was a firefighter and remained a reserve firefighter during his acting career. Um, he was one of the first responders uh, during 9-11. And except for, I think, a couple of public events where he was raising money for the fire services in the US, actually doesn't really talk about it. But he does have this film where... He gets to play a firefighter. And those elements did have some quite strong emotional resonance, even if there was a massive departure in tone as the film went into the sincere territory and clearly intendedly metatextual. My issue with this film is I was way more convinced by the material showing how much Pete Davidson's stand-in character named Scott, which is the name of Pete Davidson's actual father who passed away. The scenes early on depicting the general chaos of his life were way more effective to me. I thought just scenes of him hanging around, smoking weed with his friends had a lived in real quality to them. The camera work as well was more engaged than the rest of the film, where it was this kind of long takes, exploratory camera work, like letting the moments breathe and living in there. And I think some of the it, scenes it showing... like a, like a stoner comedy, something like Everybody Wants Tom, like with Linklater did uh, not too long but ago. With a bit more of a dark, yeah. tragic undercurrent, yeah. which I, I, I personally really respond to that sort of style of comedy, where it's like, is this crossing over to just a really uncomfortable drama? So I was loving yeah, that, the, that in the film. Um, the sincere take was... Yeah, know, that's exactly too. right. Yeah. For me, the problem is that the film is just too conventional. In the second half, it becomes about tidying up all the problems with this guy's life. And it felt way too neat. Like, I didn't get the same sense that this is lived in. This is what it was really like. I know Pete Davidson has come from this place and has achieved success, but I doubt it happened in such a formulaic movie way as it did here. And the clash between <laughs> the, the material that felt lived in and real... And then the really neat screenwriter, how can we resolve as many threads as possible with a series of contrivances way that it ended really let me down. Yeah, to that point, there are they clearly want more than one character to go on a redemption arc. Certainly, mm. that's fine. That happens in life. And we are asked and we've seen circumstances where we are caused to think, I think fairly so, oh, these are people who are trying to be better and have become better to some extent. However, it means that, the, that it's at the expense of other characters, particularly the predominant female characters who just become plot devices in this and suddenly are caused to expressly forgive and have massive jumps in their character. This isn't the only time Jadapal has done this. We've seen this in Knocked Up. We've seen this in quite a few other films. A lot of films more generally. It's just lazy storytelling. It's going to be a film agreement club, I guess, because uh, I, I like the point that Chris made. And I think this film has a unique problem. The scenes where the movie is actually more real and you care about the characters more are the scenes where they feel that they need redemption. So the archetypical scenes where they're being stoner wasters 
those are the scenes where you actually care about them more because they there's this raw anguish. They feel like people. Yeah, there's this raw anguish beneath that which yeah. you can tap into because there's the insecurity that are out there that basically for everyone to see. So when the redemption arc comes, it, I, those are the scenes that feel so far removed from another movie. It feels like I was watching Saving Pride Ryan or something. You know, <laughs> it's suddenly like, yeah, the tone shift was just like in my head. And I was like, this is just totally unnecessary because I was actually enjoying that other movie I was watching. Yeah, I agree. And to, to Glenn's point, when he was talking about the, the female characters being used just as plot devices, it's like, really? Okay. But that's Spoiling just, it a little bit. Yeah, when suddenly romantic resolution, yeah. When suddenly romantic stuff that's like not being a factor in the movie comes right back in at the end. It's like, really? Do we need this extra level of uplift? Um, but uh, no, you actually, you know, sorry, guys, you have to work harder. If yeah. You're ex- it all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the, some of the ways that, that the mother acted towards l- later in the film, you know, jarred with the realism to me. Like there was some easy gags about how she's happy about trying to cut him out of her life that for me, they, yeah, I can see how it's funny, but it crossed too far away from the realism of the characters in these circumstances. Yeah, um, that bothered me because, again, we see this massive drop in character. More than that, I think there was either some serious scripting or editing problems with this. And aside from that dramatic shift, right before this confrontation scene between arguably the two main characters outside of Paul and the jump from the previous scene to that was incredibly abrupt. And mm. it's very clear that either right there either was a scene they couldn't use or a scene they didn't film properly or the writing was just lackluster. There's a lot of just major jumps yeah. in a film that's two hours and 12 minutes. Yeah, the, the way the mother acted really just jumped all over the place. Yeah, she, she went from being the sincere emotional anchor to being understandably nonchalant, but there is a still too far need to see to get to that point. Again, Marissa Tomei character, Tomei is very good as she's always. Great. She's used as a plot device to such a great extent here. Not in the first half of the film, like was said, there's a great lived-in experience that she has with her son who she's living with for 24 years, which I think was mirrored in his relationship with his friends. It felt like these guys, even if maybe he has been, Scott Davis has been friends, mm. maybe yet yeah, they had been friends with these people in real life because I felt that relationship. Mm. That worked. But, and, I, and when they became less present in the film, it, the interest, and I know he, they were trying to show an arc of these people aren't the greatest people. You shouldn't necessarily be hanging around with them but it lost much of the lived in him, just visceral experience. Yeah, and to be specific about a bit that I'm calling out, just seeing her kind of like celebrating about cutting him loose, it's like, no, she prior to that was shown to be like very caring and concerned. You- um, Conflicted, massively conflicted. Massively conflicted. Yes, she would want him to go off and have his own life, but I can't see her doing something as cruel as, to give a minor spoiler here, making out that she's going to have a serious chat with him about where she is in position with the moving on with, from dad and stuff like that, and then locking him out of the house and, and cracking a joke about him to a friend. Like, that's just so callous and cruel. Sister. Sister, sorry. It's, that was just so callous and cruel that I stopped believing in the characters and their script. I mean, I can't help but feel, and it really has to be the case, that there are certain scenes that have been edited out because... Even in terms of actual consistency, it's a bad it edit. No then. sense. It makes no sense. Because- Editing is is always like the house of cards thing, where you, you pull one thing out. Sometimes you have to like uh, the whole thing can easily collapse. So you have to you have to be very careful. It's it's more like a Jenga tower. You've got to pull out all the right pieces to balance it out, so it doesn't all collapse eventually. Because I, I'm I'm pretty sure this was not intentional, but the way that came across to me was that the director's vision towards her character was mean. Like she was Maybe. basically uh, uh, made to look as mean. I don't think she was meant really. to be. I don't think it was mean. I think it I don't was think lazy. She's meant to, 
yeah i don't think it was meant to be mean to her but i think i know like, i agree it's unintentional it, but the, yeah but, it but the fact that it was so way. inconsistent and so yeah. you know diametrically opposite mm. kind of felt like you know maybe it's just trying to make fun of her and i want to charge this hashtag about give marissa tomei characters that she deserves she's such from, a good actor from, from like good. from like but, spider-man to the rewrite like she's I, been trying to have a second innings of movies, but they're not giving her the roles that she deserves. Yeah, I rewatched Crazy Stupid Love a couple of weeks ago, and she's so good, even though it's a relatively minor role. Mm. Like she deserves all stuff. Uh, Belle Powley, who's massively underrated, who was in a role night out in the field, and she's great in this. I love the awkward humor that they and Davidson bring to this. There's a few scenes that were cringeworthy, but not in a gory, disgusting sort of way. Just in a both gory but also socially awkward way um mm-hmm. like the sequence involving that we have we've had mentioned the davidson character is an aspiring tattoo artist in one scene where he I like that. looks at the options for a tattoo for a child um and then he's later confronted by the child's both that and he's later confronted by the child's father really good stuff but that but that was also in the, the movie. more it's more interesting to explore ways that a guy is really screwed up that he might consider doing something like that than it is to pat the audience on the back by showing all the ways that he can get his shit together as quickly as possible you know but i will stay on pete davidson for a guy i barely knew about going in and my total impression was he's the lovable stoner goofball from snl who was ariana grande's boyfriend that's about the subtitle of what i knew and i've heard that his comedy is really mainstream and kind of dumb if that makes sense um i I only knew him as ariana grande's ex-boyfriend so the snl stuff snl he was he was good okay well i haven't i haven't actually seen him on snl but me neither he was really good his acting in this is actually really strong yeah i was impressed yeah everyone knows characters like this and themselves being these characters but it's it's also easy to make them complete cardboard cutouts because they're basically you know them and it it feels like you know these characters can feel almost like you're somehow dialing your performance in and there's nothing which is real about them but what davidson brings to the table is that there is an underlying maturity to the performance which i was not expecting because i was able to connect with someone that basically i had no idea like you know that's the backstory from a stoner background and stuff and it was it felt real it felt yeah, nice. The other role, I'd extend that credit to it more so, is the Bill Burr character. It's very well written. Uh, for the presence of the father who comes in or the paternal who's going to uproot that role in Davidson's character's life, it's usually a very generic template. But here, we learn a lot more about him. We know there's conflicting motivations. Um, there's questions as to to what extent he has been honest with both the characters around him and himself. And there's really good tension that comes out of that. I think his relationship with Davidson's character is actually much more interesting than Davidson's relationship with any other characters in the film. And that's a lot more fleshed out. Uh, Bashemi, he's always great. He's a lot more serious in this movie than he is in a lot of others. Obviously, this is a uniquely emotional role for him. I'll say the film pauses at times to reflect on the role of firefighters in communities in this community in um, their particular place in New York. Um, that was very moving, even if dramatically it took us a bit out of the movie. They wanted to reflect on this, but this was at tonal odds with the stoner-esque vibe which they try to permeate and try to prioritize throughout the first half of the film. I think they're both interesting strands. I just think those were two very different movies that got into a very long film here. I agree. I totally agree. They should have picked one road and stuck with it. Yep. Actually, there is one point where it, both those arcs conflate, and it's when someone rocks up at the fire station with what looks like a grievous injury. And tonally... That was, that, still, that but, was still pretty... My friend who I was at the screening with, Jeremy, his name made a great point actually about how 
that whole circumstance is entirely there to set up a contrivance, like to put blood on someone so that they lift their shirt up. And then when you realize that the script is that mechanical, it takes away from a lot of the joy of watching it. Yeah. Yeah. The poor plot device. There were some poor plot devices. Having said that, I do believe that circumstance could happen. So I wasn't too afraid. Yeah. It's a Judd Apatow movie. You know, you wouldn't get a Judd Apatow movie without a few plot devices. Um, it's just generic. But having said that, a lot of films try to draw a broad analogy or broad simile or to reflect on life. This one actually does one I haven't seen used before and doesn't overstate it. It's the matter of how tattoos are reflective of lived experience and life theme of that pain and getting pain can ultimately show war but reflect um, learned and lived experiences. Mm. And there's a nice subtle analogy at the center of the film, which might be missed and might amidst the often quite crude drawings the main character does. But it's, I think it's a nice point nonetheless. And the type of analogy I haven't seen made in film before, to my recollection. So I really mm. like that. Yeah. So that is The King of Staten Island. It is in cinemas tomorrow. The next film we're talking about is a new A24 film, Waves. Yeah, from Trey Edward Schultz. This film, I initially heard about it as a Kanye West jukebox musical, essentially a film. <laughs> Rumors were that it was to be... Kanye West. Yeah, set entirely to Kanye West songs. In the end, because of the madness of dealing with Kanye West and maybe also just shifts in the development, there's only one Kanye song in it, though it seems to be named after a Kanye song. But it is a very musical film. It's very loud, both in style and uh, in the sound mix and uh, in the way that there's music blaring through it. And it's trying to get at the way that I think music is really deeply embedded in teenagers' lives. It's a film of two halves, uh, two waves, I guess, as the title is pointing to. And the first is about a high school wrestler who's under a lot of pressure, is dealing with an injury and dealing with a dad who expects a lot from him. And it's essentially leading to a mental snap. And then the second half picks up with another member of his family. The first half is, I think, for a lot of people, that's going to be the, the big takeaway from the film. And the second half is sort of the afterthought because the first half is a lot more intense in the action and in the style. But I found the second half much more successful at what I think it was attempting to do and much more emotionally real. The first half is using a lot of loud cinematic techniques, fast camera work, flashy strobe lights, and uh, very self-consciously artsy kind of use of camera and color and music in order to try to put you in the place of somebody who's snapping and somebody who's being overcome by anger. The, what the first half did could be great, but it ultimately just felt too overdetermined and too lacking in life, a little bit mechanical. The second half does something much more interesting, which is sort of a look of, of like after anger and after trauma, people moving on and, and finding happiness or not finding happiness, but trying to find peace in the aftermath of that. And that angle to a family drama for me was more interesting. And the, the portrait of the ways that people can be gentle and kind to each other, for me, just, just felt more sincere and, and felt more real. Um, Lucas Hedges gets to play a really nice guy and not a jerk for a change, which was nice. I thought the entire cast was, was really, really strong. I think Ink is very good. It just seems like it's a film from a filmmaker still looking to find his voice. He's made a really ambitious film early on in his career, like Paul Thomas Anderson with Magnolia or a lot of the A24 guys making a big stab that doesn't necessarily work all the time. 
And uh, I, th I feel like the lack of life experience is showing even in that second half. Lack of experience as a director to really get the notes right and maybe lack of lived experience to write these kind of profound statements about love and family he's trying to make. But it still is it's almost there. So I would recommend Waves, particularly for the second half. But your mileage may vary with this one. Some other people I've spoken to were just absolutely done with the film after the first half and viewed the second half just as an afterthought. Anyway, great music, uh, great cinematography and acting, and uh, interesting, unusual approach in American cinema. Yay. Uh, I'll definitely that wasn't check it out. Kanye, that was just yeah for the movie. <laughs> no, no, I'll definitely check it out, because that wasn't on my radar, given, you know, whatever it is, but mm. given it's coming from you, I'll definitely check it yeah, out. Yeah, it's a good film. It's, it's one of the better American indie films, of, or, or the mini indie, like A24 kind of scale like, films. A24 has that kind of lineup. I mean... Mm. Even the last man in San Francisco, yeah, had that yeah. kind of feel, which kind of flew under the radar throughout the year, and then just you know, was this is really such good. an A twenty four film, though. It's like they're, they're really <laughs> kinetic, like it's it's not a Malick type film, but it's like the know, post Terrence yeah. Malick, where it's like made up of snatches of like the yeah. peak moments edited into a montage. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, with with like the with, with great music really carrying it yeah that's right yeah, 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 yeah. and also a little bit yeah. like Gaspar Noah influenced in some ways like the it's, really loud like, camera and music it's like and... mixed mixtape of the best moments of your life kind of a thing yeah yeah exactly you know the style uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so the next film we're talking about is The Assistant which is in cinemas now and it's playing at the Ritz and a few other places at Palace Cinemas it was delayed a few times but it's out yeah. now so The Assistant is essentially a story about someone working with Harvey Weinstein. They, they, look, he's <laughs> that, never that, named. But that's, his that's the easiest sell yeah, That's Yeah, yeah he, he's never named. It's officially, it's a story about some kind of indie, you know, mini major film studio where there is an abusive known for treating his employees cruelly. And later in the film, it, it seems getting up to some questionable sexual activity, possibly, but there's this kind of ambiguity there and there's a protective shell around him. When I, I say that it's Harvey Weinstein, it's left open, um, yeah. but the, the, there hasn't been much attempt to fictionalize this at all. The company is never named. We see some posters for films, but yeah. the guy is only ever referred to as he or your boss. And he sounds like Harvey Weinstein. So for me, I didn't even take this as this is fictionalized. I just thought, yeah. yep, this is a fiction film about Harvey Weinstein. You know, I mean, it's, it was pushing so far in that direction. Even then, I mean, if you're looking at the parallels, I was thinking while I was watching this, how this could have been the movie what Bombshell tried to be. I don't know if you guys ever end up watching Bombshell. I didn't we see it. it. Oh yeah, oh, we did, we did, sorry. It's, it's such a long time ago, I completely we forgot that. We, if we the, yeah, it, it wasn't actually that long ago, but a lot's happened in the past few months. I know. It's, it's amazing because like, you know, that film was such a missed opportunity for me. And I think this film really doesn't pull its punches. It, there's no cop out. It actually goes in the ambiguity. And basically it makes you uncomfortable, not because of what happened, but basically about how many perspective and how that affects people's attitudes differently. You know, it, it really covers the spectrum of attitudes. So the main character in this is someone who's fairly new to the position of being assistant to this mega mogul film producer guy. She works with a bunch of people who are not very kind to her, but you can see there's some concern, but maybe they're encouraged to throw each other under the bus by the oh, inner yeah. workings of this system. The way the, that culture is established is amazing. That's, because you can that's really right. See that, you know, it's a toxic culture. And yeah. that 
kind of thing really perpetuates by people themselves. It's not the, really coming from top down. It's mostly like that's people, right. but people doing it. It comes from the top down, just from the creation of the culture. I think exactly. it's like, yeah, it sets yeah. in motion, the clockwork of everybody treating each other this way. You know, the example comes from the top and the fear spreads downward, but the film I think is very astute in showing all these minor little interactions and the way that they add up. It goes through a day of this in the life of this new young-ish, reasonably inexperienced, but smart and ambitious assistant coming to work super early in the morning, doing more work than anybody else. And uh, just goes through the things she encounters in a day. It's filmed in a really tight kind of, really claustrophobic style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where you've got, very symmetrical kind of compositions Box, with boxes, in, uh, doorways. Yeah, I'm literally cubicles. doing the Julia Gillard cubicle thing in, with my with my hands right now. Right. Anyway, yeah, that's how it feels. The framing is so tight. Yeah, and it, it's used to great effect. Like there's a moment where um, there's a surreal moment that comes from just breaking these very rigidly. Oh yeah, the white shot. To, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Later thinking. in the film, I won't get into that, but. Yeah. There is a, some very strong control over the aesthetic here from Kitty Green, the director. And like we were saying, there's very, very nuanced in just the ways that... Uh, what I like was how these... harassment really operates. Like you said, how it mm-hmm. builds up and adds up. And you can really see the microaggressions because you yeah. know, usually how in film, it's depicted as like, you know, this kind of one aha moment. And really this film is not about this catchy moment. It's basically showing how everything, every interaction is basically adding up. It's like a pressure cooker going off and the lid really is building to something. And it's not even a crescendo. It's building to this claustrophobic thing where the environment becomes so toxic that you just can't take it anymore. And everything mm-hmm. adds up. It's, it's everything. It's not just one person. It's every interaction that you have. It's the situation you find yourself in and the self-doubt that creeps in as well, which is fascinating. The inner psychology changes and how that, the protagonist has to deal with that was fascinating. Mm. And though mostly this is just a film about office culture, like it could take place outside of the film industry, outside of this connection to Weinstein or such. There is also some stuff going into, I think this film is trying to answer the question a lot of people had when they heard about the culture at Weinstein's companies, which is why did nobody do anything? Yeah. I think a big goal of this film is to sort of answer that question by trying to really put you in the headspace of why a person would choose to do nothing and how many barriers there are to overcome to get anyone to care. There's You're right, a, because yeah. actually, I mean, I, I don't think we've pointed this out, but Harvey Weinstein character or the boss is actually not really, you know, present in the No, film. he's never seen. You only yeah, hear his voice. He's, he's the absent present. He's always there, but mm. he's not actually part of the film film. So he's not the focal point of the narrative. Mm. So that's also an interesting framing device because he's yeah. always there, but he's never really in the frame. I was surprised that this wasn't bigger. I thought this was, could have been a more prominent, I don't know what the marketing of this film was like, but it really kind of flew under the radar a bit. It's a hard watch for people, I think, because it's, I found the film pretty gripping. Um, I know. It's, I, even though really not much good. happens, I yeah. found it went past very quickly. But for a lot of people, this is a slow film with not much joy in it because that's counted to its aims about workplace harassment. That's a hard sell, especially in the current climate where I think a lot of people who are going to the cinemas will be looking for something light and or funny. But that's the thing. It's, it's not a film about workplace harassment in the same kind of, you know, which lays blame at anyone or it is not the kind of, you know, the easy gotcha moments that would be framing. It's a nuanced areas. take. It does lay yeah. blame at people, but it's about showing how the culture is developed. Yeah, it's, it's more about laying blame at actually, yeah, the wider 
culture, if anything else, not necessarily at one person, which is, I guess, a harder thing to stomach, if anything else. Yeah, if this film were just going for gotcha moments and sensationalism, it would be a very hard watch. But it is, as you say, a very nuanced, intelligent dissection of these kind of cultures and also the impact being in that kind of culture has on a person. There's a scene later in, later in the film when we sort of deal with the issues of sexual impropriety potentially going on and how that is or is not dealt with that is so excellent in how it um like the level of mind games that you see going on and the the switches and reverses and everything being tried on a person who tries to do anything anything that will screw with their mind will be (laughs) the amount of the, the amount of gaslighting but but without it being you know dramatic and not just gaslighting, but but it's almost like yeah, what what you think is happening definitely isn't happening. But if it is happening, don't yes. worry. <laughs> like, oh God, <laughs> I know. So we're going to be continuing talking about the assistant and TFW No GF, which screened at Hyperlinks Static Visions Film Festival over the weekend. If you want to listen to the podcast, tune in on iTunes and Spotify and stay tuned for Sonic Assassin. We'll be back next week talking more streaming and in cinemas. Let us know what you want us to fight about. And if we won't see you online, we'll see you at the cinemas pretty soon. Because I'm first thing I'm going to do is the French Film Festival. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Emmons of Rotneru. Stay safe. Have a wonderful whenever you're listening. And Enjoy movies. Good night. Somebody go away The feelings don't really go away That's just the way Welcome back to Film Fight Club, where we're talking The Assistant and soon TFW No GF. Now, I've been seeing The Assistant, and I do plan to see it. However, what struck me about it was Julia Garner, because I've seen every episode of Ozark. Ruth is probably the best character in the show. She's amazing. Uh, She was incredible back in Grandma, which was insanely five years ago. But I think this is an actress who we're going to be seeing significantly more of in the years, maybe decades to come, because she's very, very good. And by my count, this is her first very prominent leading feature that she's done. It's the first time I've seen her in a prominent lead role, but yeah. she was very good. She was very good. But, um, but also, I mean, because it's an interesting kind of point to Apatow and how we're talking about how his movies are always 30 minutes too long. This mm. kind of felt like it's so tightly edited that I would have felt more comfortable with certain scenes were allowed to breathe a bit more. But I also know that it's by design because the idea is to be more claustrophobic and really sustain the tension for as long as possible. I found that I wouldn't say that there's no uh, progression because this scene that I was just talking about happens later in the film um, and is one of the highlights and one of the films that's astute and direct in laying out really the closest thing to the thesis of how the, the dialogues what, in this movie in like the way the way yeah, people right. are talk, the way it's written it's it feels yeah so goddamn real but this i think yeah yeah it, the film's great my only issue is um when you talk about maybe letting it breathe a bit more i think at a certain point to me it just feels kind of limited even though there are more profoundly stated explorations of the ideas that have already been established and some new ones i basically feel like 
30 minutes in the film. Though it keeps me interested because it's so astute and so well acted and uh, so tightly edited, I basically get it. You know, and well, yeah, th I mean, these are issues that there have been a lot of cultural critique and a lot of discussion about in recent times. So watching the film, I kind of get like, I know the points it's making already. So the film maybe had to go further. Does, is that unfair? I, slightly, because I still think that I don't think we've seen this level of nuance in. We haven't. No, that's true. But I think honestly, they I, I could have we, actually. We, I think we know it because we come from that background. Maybe. Right. For, for a lot of other people, this is still a revelation in that sense because it is it's discussing a, a lot of um, not as sensitive issues without basically reducing them to you know binaries in that sense. So hmm. it's still allowing you to reflect a bit more. Yeah, I'm fascinated I, by listening to your conversation, the idea that the, the, obviously one of the criticisms was said that was leveled at people who worked for once they worked in similar environments was how could you not know about this? How could you not do something about this in the event you knew something about this? But it the film tries to answer that. So insidious in a way that that's isn't yeah. clear that it's happening. Yeah, in the film, like it's so obvious, but there are incentives for looking the other way. And there are, there are people denying it. There oh, are yeah, people, totally. but the well, it's sort of also, like it's this weird open secret yeah. thing where like, yeah. oh, is that happening? Oh, you know, no, you must be wrong, but don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, uh, but it's, it, oh, it's totally happening. You shouldn't worry about it. Casual, offended thing of like, oh, of course not, it's happening, but. As well as, well as just, yeah, that there was a, there's a shocking moment related to that later in the oh, film. God. But um, it's also but, but that the way it's there's such up, a financial it, incentive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You have no power and no one will believe you. And it's fine anyway, so don't worry about it. Mm. Basically, those are the lines that are thrown out, you know, yeah, but in, why, in a like, much more why would you Why would you want to jeopardize your own career? I mean, think about it, to be honest. You know, why would you do that? It's, it's sort of just like you get in, in, inducted into the culture of this is how we just do things here. Yeah. You know, you know and, you know, and these are consenting adults. <laughs> you know, those sorts of lines. I, 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 know, I know when we're repeating these claims, they feel completely facetious. But the of way course the, they are. But the way the film builds it up, it, it has its own lived reality where it feels mm. like, of course, if everyone is operating like that, you are the one who feels the odd one out. You're the one who's not conforming. You're the one who's actually creating a ruckus or you know, stirring the pot. So why don't you do more to fit in? Mm. I've seen um, a bit of discussion about this. I was wondering, Virat, how do you feel about the idea that the film could or should have actually broken from the unseen presence thing and maybe introduced the Weinstein character at some point. Yeah. Look, I like I think that. it might be stronger. That's what I mean about the lack yeah. of progression. Like that's the kind of thing you could throw in that would have that could have actually given but I also, more but layers. I also, but I also understand to, why they didn't choose to do it because mm. that would have taken away from the actual purpose of the film, which is about it's by the sounds the of the universality politics. of it, separate yeah. from the industry itself. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's about more the office politics and, and the culture rather than the actual person. I just meant more in terms of the it could add extra layers in terms of the manipul the manipulation as opposed to I want specific details about this guy. It's more just like yeah, but you I, can uh, explore I, it I, even it, further by it, actually showing the d direct face to face relations. In in, in my own in, in, in my own head this this character became an omnipresent kind of you know yeah, yeah, yeah. basically he could be either harvey weinstein or any other n number of yeah it's by design know, any any you know, abusive predator boss which we, i'm not going to name there but there's certain other organizations you know which we all are aware of uh, when we hear or, yeah or have yeah. suspicions or hear yeah. stories as you say 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that works for me. And I, at least even if it didn't, I wouldn't fault the film for it. Mm. Because at least it was very clear in what it was trying to do. And this is one of the fewer films coming out of that Me Too era, which actually is able to grapple with the subject matter in a way that does justice to the many threads and implications that it's trying to pull. It's, mm. it's not going for an easy win. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with so, that. So that is The Assistant. It is out now. And the next thing we're talking about is TFW No GF. Now, this was screened, I think the Australian premiere was this weekend as part of Static Vision's Hyperlinks URL, which is the second festival. They've been doing their weekly screenings on Fridays. However, this was also their first festival to go online. As Felix and Connor said last week, so as I understand, as we were told last week, they're going to be doing another event later in the year. Importantly, I saw on Twitter that they about broke even for this festival, yes, which is yeah. great, which means they yeah. can doing work and they got a lot of traction a lot of people tuning in for a lot of films that wouldn't otherwise have screened any form in australia so one of which is available on itunes it was just screened at south by southwest earlier this year which i think was the world premiere yeah so this is a documentary that starts with the meme on the internet of tfw no gf it's associated with incels um, but even if people wouldn't necessarily define you know themselves what as incels, is, you don't know, just look, just look it up. Involuntary celibates. <laughs> it's a actually, weird subculture. But, this but actually, film I think the film does a good um, job of introducing all the memes if you don't know about them as well, actually. Yeah, that's right. The film is not just about incels. Some of the people here would not be defined as that. Um, but it's basically using this TFW no GF, which stands for that feel when no girlfriend. And it's a visual meme of a sad looking guy who's come to be known as Wojak. And it's basically using that as a springboard for the community of lonely men who discuss their loneliness and oppression on message boards on the internet, essentially, and create a space that reaffirms their own depression, I would say. I thought the film was pretty interesting. It's very fraught because when people hear yeah. incels, there's a lot of knee-jerk response of like, oh, but those guys are terrorists or those guys are hardcore misogynists, etc. And the film does touch I mean, into film, some of that. Film, but it's film also, addresses that in terms of the mainstream media representation of, you know. Yeah, I, I think groups. the film... The, what is, I, who, who is the 4chan? As, right. As I think the film wants... They talk about 4chan on the show. They do <laughs> now. Well, yeah. Because these memes originated on 4chan and 4chan is a big part of it. But... Fortunately, they went bankrupt a year ago. Really? Yeah, they've had trouble getting ads to run that server. It doesn't surprise me. Given a huge amount of uh, posting and not many legitimate businesses that would pay for ads. Given the necessity of anonymity, how many are going to, you know, do the run the go with the GoFundMe campaign? But but even then, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what the other thing that the film pointed out is that a lot of these people are not in education, employment, or training. Oh yeah, yeah, neat. That's neat. another. They're, they're neat. neat. That's right. Not in education, employment, or training. So what I think the film did a good job of showing is how this kind of depressive mind state takes hold. The film touches on how a lot of this is because of horrific economic and social realities that are becoming more and more it's prevalent great, in America. It's a great criticism of capitalism. Uh, it I is think. actually. And it's, it's a good, I think, portrait of this point in time and how a lot of people are just suddenly becoming disaffected. Like it shows how a lot of these people are in poor communities with, with massive drug problems and I mean, who, especially who lose hope. When we talk about, you know, the Midwest that's essentially being left behind in America, this really shows you how, mm. because you have entire communities of people who have no social interaction. Yeah. You know, they're, they're basically people who've moved out in search of better jobs and opportunities. And there are people who basically, because of, you know, lack of education or the fact that they cannot progress and get to a college degree, 
are basically yeah. left behind and they have nothing to do. There's literally nothing to do in these towns. They're ghost towns. Yeah. So I thought the film was a good and nuanced depiction of how these things develop, how people come to be this way, how people come to sort of hold these certain beliefs about themselves and um, how online communities can sort of reinforce these ideas. I don't think the film is glorifying or celebrating these communities, more trying to understand and explain them. But for a lot of people, given that there's a lot of hatred for these sorts of people in these communities from the left wing, because there's a lot of right wing leanings and Trump support, et cetera, in associated groups. I think a lot of people wanted this film to be more critical, more political, listening to some of the chat coming up on the Hyperlinks Festival and the Q&A. I don't think the film had to be that. I think the film is not meant to be a work about Look at how trash these guys are. It's meant and to yeah, be a I, I, work. It's I, meant I, to be an empathetic exercise to like try and put yourself in this person's shoes and try to understand. For I, me, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm I happy. Agree. Yeah, I don't think depicting these people and letting them talk necessarily means it's endorsing everything they say. I don't, I, I don't think know, anyone I, could come out of this thinking these guys were glorified. I don't know if you tuned into the chat, uh, Chris. At, um, I, I did. At the Q&A, and I was sorry. reading the online sorry. chat and while watching the Q&A with the director. Yeah, the Q&A. And I remember uh, Alex, the director, Alex Simoya, she mentioned uh, that she got basically a lot of hate from all sides, you know, basically. Mm. How do you, as a woman, uh, which was an interesting perspective as well, can you... Can you it is interesting that a woman directed it. Yeah, that can you direct this kind of a movie, which basically is supposedly taking the side of people who are misogynist uh, uh, online. And she's just basically saying that's not. And the argument that she makes is that this film is kind of beyond politics, essentially. Well... She didn't. She herself didn't say that. But Tian, yeah. the uh, moderator, Tian Baker said it was it, maybe it's beyond politics, and she went with that statement, which I would challenge her on if I were doing the Q and A, because I think this film is definitely political, making some of the points that in a subtle way, some of the points it does about the, makes about the lack the, of opportunities. The, the, the politics uh, of the film are different. The politics of the film are different to the kind of politics that we've come to expect from these kind of movies. It's, that's it. It is yeah. definitely political, but it's not heavily politicized, which I get the I feeling it's, is what it's, a it's lot of people wanted of this film. I think that's, that's yeah. an interesting distinction to make. But, but she also made a good point in the Q&A, which is that these people trusted her. These people let her yeah. film them for a long time and gradually got more and more open. She's not going to betray that trust by then putting in a framing device with some authoritative voice of God character who talks about how all these guys are actually just hateful trash. I, like, I would, it's a film about trying to understand and listen to these people. I, I think would, that's valid. I was wondering the ethics of how this film got made as well, because you basically see the progression of these people over a significant amount of time. You mm. know, Some of these people you meet again after two years and three years. So there is a significant, I think the film took a while to get made. There was some controversy, and I don't know enough about this to comment, but there was some controversy because apparently some trash dude uh, put some money towards it. But the thing is, regardless of whether that's true or not, I'm assuming it is, but I I don't know enough to comment here, but I'll just say the film doesn't come across as a propaganda piece. Oh, no, like, no. I don't think money's been... I feel like the film is what the film would have been regardless of where the funding came from. This, this, like... this is not a Red Pill movie, if that's what people no, no, are no. afraid about. No, has this anyone is seen not. that film? I haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I haven't no. seen it. But no, this is not a Braidbard sponsored film or whatever people are worried about. That no, yeah, I didn't find it that way. Yeah, yeah, um, but something... 
for the for the for the studio that brought you to sorry there's so many jokes you can make with this please continue something that complicates it in a kind of negative way is as we mentioned earlier that the tfw no gf meme and a lot of the associated imagery and such you see in this film a lot of the culture really develops on 4chan and it develops on 4chan because 4chan is anonymous you know you're you can just disappear into the crowd and pour your heart out using the internet as, as your online diary, right? And because it's not associated with any individual. But because she had to obviously track people down and talk to them, the people that Alex Limoya, the director, profiles in this film and follows are people who post on Twitter. And if you're posting on Twitter, that means you already, I think, have a level of extrovertedness where you want to maintain an online identity, sometimes with real photos of yourself. Yeah. I think they're, they're the much harder to make film, but maybe the more interesting analysis of this would have gone to the people who were just posting on 4chan who were so depressed. Like it touches on their kind of lifestyle without talking to those sorts of people who are so depressed that but it's, I think they just that, are not engaging with the outside, you know, with the world at all. Like that would be probably a much bleaker film if we could follow those people instead of people who are just associated with these memes and this subculture on Twitter, but are already putting themselves out there to that extent. Okay, two things. Uh, first, and I think the film gets really complex and it really, the ethical boundaries are blurred in the sense when we talk about, especially about how these subcultures engage online. Because this film is really talking about how the lines are blurred between irony, between uh, basically shitposting, the lows aspect of it, and, and the fact that there is an inherent truth. You know, how you basically have your two personalities. One is the, the real self that you don't show that you oh, yeah, yeah, show yeah. when you're online and and the exact exacerbated one that basically you're doing it to get a reaction out of other people it was a that was a good point the film made um and it, it tries to address this idea of like what is irony what is real and are there people who come into here think you know in this world of irony and taking it really seriously and what can the results of that be yeah um i think you could these are really interesting ideas and you could create a deeper broader film, even a TV series about all these associated things, anonymity, the, you know, incels, TFW, no GF, Gamergate, the alt-right, um, people who, the who just talk about, about masturbating a million times a day and not, not having a girlfriend and on 4chan. You could explore all these subcultures and ideas in much greater depth. Yeah. As it is, I thought the, the approach this film took was interesting. Because and, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a good primer. What, what, I, what I really like, you know, when we're talking about two of the characters you made, Charles and Winnie, who are also there in, in, in the Q&A later on, they discuss that, you know, basically they get into that forum when they're 12. And yeah. then they talk about the fact that basically no child should be... No child should be exposed to that. Exposed to that level of... Nihilism. Apathy, yeah. It's, it's, apathy, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, the black pill, essentially, this mm. fa fatal, fatal nihilism uh, about the world. Yeah. Uh, it, about everything, about, about nothing and everything, essentially. Mm. And that nothing matters... But the other uh, second the part that I wanted to bring up was that the film actually has an interesting thread about it where it is trying to still follow and give some of these people hope because there are certain people who do and eventually you find out, for example, Sean is, is a good example of that, who does try to break the cycle and he's trying. I'm not sure whether he's successful now or whatever, but, but yeah, the film's there, trying there is to a level to show that, that you know, it may not be that we may not agree with the choices that they have made or they're still making but they're they want to break the cycle but they're at least trying some of the people are trying very hard yeah and that that's why i don't view the film as a uh celebratory thing it much more convincingly than to take things full circle 
the King of Staten Island, this depicts, I think, how people can be in that depressed, <laughs> I'm going nowhere state and can, um, and it's, the film is encouraging and trying to trace the way that they, that in some cases they try to better themselves, yeah. try to move out of that space and, and try to engage with the greater society and world in, in a healthy way. It does get a little bit repetitive as it goes on. That, it that's my major criticism. I think it makes some of the same points too many times, but that's okay. But uh, one of my most interesting characters was uh, Tanpot. The guy, ah, yeah, yeah. you know, because initially he comes across as this pseudo babble, right wing, uh, selective German idealism, quoting pop philosopher kind of dude on on social media. But then uh, the amount of insight about himself that he's able to share in this kind of raw honesty is like you know and he feels this kind of that he's a re- an actual mentor to people because the amount of people that actually reach out to him he also seems to be getting wiser and smarter as the film goes on yeah and, maybe and this it, is just the editing tricking me and maybe it's that that amazing yeah. inter- wild intellectual book he's got I mean, where it's like is it trotsky is it alan ginsburg <laughs> <laughs> yeah because, <laughs> because later on, the, film, yeah. the film ends with his quote where he's talking about the the Hades myth, you know, yeah, where, you know, yeah. where it's not about Hades and it's not about the journey. It's about not looking back. And, you know, this, this grand metaphor this film is trying to tie up in, you know, it's like, oh, look, it's all left behind. It's not about the journey you make. It's the fact that what yeah. are you willing to sacrifice along that journey? There's also a really good score for this film. Um, oh, Alex Lee Moyer said in the Q&A afterwards that in some ways she feels like you could put anything to that score and that you'd have a great movie. But yeah, it's mostly by Ariel Pink with some contributions from John Mouse to kind of alternative indie singers who have a really interesting body of work. And yeah, the, the score they put together is amazing. A huge get for this documentary, honestly, to have those yeah. people on board. No, no, just and even, even the animation was fantastic. Yeah, production-wise, some, some, it was great. Some, some of the Wojak animations and how when a lot of the characters are talking about their inner depressed states and how the Wojak mm. characters is, is transforming to basically become a, a visual essay. And it's a great um, mix of pre-existing memes online that have been yeah. animated well and uh, some new material featuring those characters from the memes. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah, this, this film is, once again, exactly the sort of thing that Static Vision would put on. But also it takes surpri- some risks. surprising in the way that I was not expecting this to be as profound as it turned out to be. I mean, that was probably the biggest surprise. Because after I saw it on, uh, on Saturday, I for, for, sneaked out you know, uh, on Amazon to basically watch it again. Right. Well, I, look, for me, I didn't find it uh, profound because I know a lot about these, these sorts of people personally. Okay. Yeah. But I think if it could be if you go, go in not really knowing anything, maybe just knowing they're bad guys. It doesn't mean you have to like them or what they stand for, but I think it's a good dose of empathy. It's a nice reminder yeah. that everyone's human and, and everyone gets one I way, mean, it's, it's just one profound, way or another. Profound in the sense that I don't think they've been presented in this manner before. In a very humanizing light. I thought the film was good. I, I thought its approach was the right one, as fraught as politically as some people may find it. And, and, just, and just the time it takes to get this movie together because they really, I mean, I think she's really gone to earn their trust. It, it is still quite a hard thing to do. Because these are people, I mean, let's let's be honest, who basically feel that nobody cares about them. Yeah, that's everyone great. in society has given up, mm. right? So initial most extreme stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so their initial reaction, I'm imagining, must have been also to try to get a reaction out of Alex as well. They must have been mm. suspicious of her motivations. Just briefly before we wrap on this one, I'll say that Canbot is interesting because I reckon that guy, that guy is already kind of an extrovert, you know, like he's oh, yeah. that guy totally believes in himself on some level. 
the guy who was the cowboy was probably the most. Oh, that was one. so depressing. Oh my god! And he and I and I felt I I couldn't watch bits of it because you know because some of the scenes which where the camera is just there is just filming him. Mm. And he is, you know, he just... He's real. He, he's a character that you don't normally hear yeah. about. He's not acting for the camera. He just, you know, there's scenes where he just dozes off and there's nothing to do because, you know, his life is... You can literally see him wasting away on camera. Which it's like was, Midnight Cowboy 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was hard to watch. This is, yeah, anyway. Sorry, the Midnight Cowboy comparison is a strange one maybe, but I just didn't like imagine that guy going to the city. Yeah. That would be the 2020 Midnight Cowboy remake I want. Like, this is what small town country guys are today. But, 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 this but, is but, what the modern cowboy is now. But, but, but it's funny, you know, when, when, he, when, he, when he came uh, towards the later half of the film, he got this wall up where he said, oh, you, you caught me at a very sensitive time, you know. But now I'm doing much better, by the way. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you could see that he's not doing that much better. <laughs> no, but he's feeling like he is, which yeah. is the first step, maybe. Yeah. You know? so, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, and it's, it just, there's, yeah. Everyone is it's something, um, but yeah, I'm I'm also happy that this film has a message of hope somewhere. It's not all yeah, I agree, people. and in a way that felt sincere and felt real. Yeah, to me. that that yeah. there is some way out for these people because if there was no way out for these people, I don't think I would be able to digest that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all have to hope, don't we? Well, something, and yeah. the hope wasn't this grand fantasy land. It was still hope, which felt like oh, okay, you know. I'm just going, going and finding a hobby that they could pursue over, you know, yeah. over a year I, or so. To make the comparison again, I would have preferred this kind of resolution for the King of Staten Island instead of such, to go from such a depressing place <laughs> at the beginning and then end at such a but, grandly but, hopeful. Everything's all coming together. I don't think Apatow, like, I, I don't think Apatow's film was that sincere to begin with. It wasn't real in the way this was. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, I, I know that you have your reservations against TFW no GF. I haven't you, seen it. I have no reservations no, no, no. at all. But just just a meme in the culture. I'm just saying. So you might I, be uncomfortable. But I, honestly, I, I think I don't think you think this will make me uncomfortable. I, I, I think there's a lot of shit this. posting I don't no, like, I, I, but I, that I, doesn't I, mean. But actually, no, because Glenn. But do you want to watch I, a film about the shit posters? <laughs> it's difference between being on 4chan and not having an account, which is very for a lot of people. This is like, oh, this is a hard sell, and I don't blame them. No, no, but but that's the thing, that, which is why I tried to share the movie with Glenn so that Glenn would watch it because Glenn's opinion is one that I'm actually very keen to hear. This, I think Glenn would probably like it. Yeah. Okay. Just watch it, Glenn, and next time we can talk about it. It's available on iTunes. I think it might be. It's self-released yeah. by Alex Lee Moyer, the director. Yeah. Yeah. Seek it out. Yeah, by the way, Static Vision did a great job with the Hyperlinks Festival in general. That's true. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was a really cool presentation. The visuals, the, the, the Lawrence, interviews. The Lawrence Flick retrospective on Sunday was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such, such a great, like, because I, I, hadn't, seen Idol. The background, I right? hadn't seen Idol before and I hadn't seen, you know. It's so interesting, right? Anyway, yeah. So, hardcore yeah. video art cyberpunk. Once again, I'm probably going to seek that out as well and try to watch it. Again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Part of the problem with doing a live thing is that you're ready for something, but you're not sure what. So you're not in the optimal state of mind to be like, this is what I'm in for. So, you know, you want to go watch it again when you actually are now more comfortable to be like, okay, this is what I've just watched. And now, right. I'm, and now I'm ready for it. <laughs> So it feels like I have to go back and watch it again. That's what happened with a lot of these ones. Even uh, fighting, uh, fighting, fighting in the age of loneliness. Yeah. Did you catch that one? I missed it. Yeah, I did. I did. But 
I guess that has many parallels with once again TFW and GF as well. No, that has the parallels with Tian Baker's short that played before. Oh yeah, Tian, the, I saw I saw the, her short. Interesting. The, the Tyler Durden comparisons and how Fight Club is. is oh god. It was a that was played as a, it was a film showing how men's rights activists and the like have latched onto Fight Club, and it's um it was the segue between a film about MMA fighting in the age of loneliness. And this film, TFW, no GF, which I thought was actually really it's, programming. It's parallels of the King of Staten Island in a, sequ- in a series of sequences we haven't discussed. Yeah, you're right. That was an interesting part of the film that honestly could have been delved into way more. For context, there's a fair bit of prompts you fighting in it um, tied to, I think, expressing macho-ness to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I haven't been on 4chan in a long time. How's 4chan doing? Uh, I would steer clear if I were you. <laughs> oh, I don't. I've obviously I've seen it. It's not my um, typical. It's not the place I frequent. Yeah, but yeah. just generally, I I don't think yeah I don't think we speak the same language. I I felt like an extrovert, and I don't really classify myself as an extrovert usually. But after watching all these films, I felt like ah I think I'm an extrovert. I guess. I have to accept it because if, if that is what like actual introversion has done to that degree, then yeah, yeah. Count me out. So, what, yeah. makes, what, what makes the forum so interesting is that aside from a lot of the lousy stuff that goes on, which is a lot of the stuff that goes on in the forum, a lot of the general memes in internet culture, which you see being more prolific, originates here. That's right. That's right. If 4chan is the meme factory of the English speaking internet at the very yeah. least. But yeah, and I think they did a good job of going through the rules as well, that you're only allowed to, even when you're commenting on something, share it in an original way, even if you're reusing... Oh, that's yeah, that's on Robot 9000, which was one of the boards on 4chan. That is TFW No GF. Uh, We'll be back next week talking about other movies and probably not 4chan related movies. Probably not. This is probably the only time we're going to discuss 4chan at length on uh, Us Meme Awards are signing out. Yeah. Edge lords, edge lords, meme lords, irony lords, yeah, yeah. lords, lads. Yeah. Uh, signing off. Yep. To Next week we'll up. just be lads. You know, total opposite from the nerds we were this week. <laughs> but, but yeah, let us know a good lad orientated movie that isn't Fight Club to talk about. <laughs> and we'll be back. So King of Staten Island's out now. The assistant is out now. Waves is out now. Waves is out now. Yeah, and go to the movies. Yeah. They're open. They're happening. Take care, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Have a good night. And st- don't shit post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> shit post in moderation. Do anything in moderation. Words, words to live by. Words to live by. <laughs> good night. Bye. Good night. Good night.